You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Let's hear it for Jesus this morning. Can you give a hand today? If you love him, give him a hand this morning. Tell him, Jesus, you're worthy. Now, okay, I'm going to give you one more turn because if, if we call this for what it is, if you were rooting for your team right now and, it, and their game depended on it, I think we would have lost the game. So right now, we're going to root for Jesus this morning, but let's do so in a way that we can tell right now we're on the winning side. Some of you think that you're on the losing side. Can I tell you on the winning side? Turn to the last page of the last book and you would realize that you're on the winning side. Can I hear for Jesus this morning? Can you make some noise in the house? Clap your hands. Clap your hands, people. Some of you are still quiet. I'm going to give you a third chance. I'm watching you. I can see you. I can't see you on the cameras this morning. Welcome to the house of God. To all the people that are tuning in this morning, I want to give you one more chance, and I'm going to ask everyone in their homes as well to make some noise to Jesus this morning. That means you clap your hands. Do you know why you clap your hands? The Bible says and commands us, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The Bible tells you to do that. The Bible also says that when one of the prophets was told to prophesy, he says, clap your hands. And it confirmed that that word was being sent out. So on the count of three, I want you to make some noise this morning. I want everyone clapping. Put your phones down. Put your tablets down. We're going to give Jesus the next 10 seconds of glory. Can you do that? Every phone on the ground, everyone right now in the name of Jesus. Ready on three. One, two, three. Come on, give glory to the Lord. Yes, give glory to the Lord this morning. Ten seconds where he is worthy. Ten seconds where God deserves it all. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. That's more like it. Now I feel like I'm in the house of God this morning. You feel alive now? There's something that happens when you are engaging not just your, your, your thoughts, because I know some of you came in, you're like, I'm ready, I'm here to hear the word of God. But there's something else that activates the moment when you begin to allow your body to express the deeper things that are here. You've always loved the Lord. You've always been there, but somehow we struggle to express love and affection to the Lord. Well, this morning, it is Valentine's Day. Now, for all the kids, I need to dismiss them. If you are age 12 and under, can I get you all to stand to your feet this morning? And I want you to head out the exit. We've got Ms. Vanessa. Ms. Vanessa is going to look after you this morning. She's got a great program for all the kids. God bless you. Enjoy that. And for all the adults this morning, we have a special treat for you today. Han, are we delivering them now or later? At the end, okay? So for all those husbands that forgot to buy flowers, we got you covered. You're welcome at Live City Church. Can't help you right now if you're on the live stream, but for everyone else here, you're covered. We've got flowers and we've got chocolates for you to give out. Can you give a hand to the Lord for that one? Thank you, God. The pastor remembered. Ah, uh, half-hearted. Half-hearted. Ladies, you should be nudging your husband right now and saying, you should be clapping louder. Let's look at him. You should have been clapping louder. 
It's Valentine's Day. Some of you are too quiet this morning. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) That's right. She did. She did that. She went there this morning. God bless you. I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about Valentine's Day because I I thought I'd dig a bit deeper. And yes, it could be indeed yet another pagan festival that we've adopted into the Christian faith because it was celebrated, a lesser-known festival. But St. Valentine was actually a clergyman during the Roman Empire. And although he doesn't appear in the earliest list of Roman martyrs, the chronography of 534 tells us that a patron of that compilation was a wealthy Roman Christian named Valentinus, which of course is the Roman name for Valentine. A common history of the saints describes Valentinus as a priest of Rome or as the former bishop of Terni, an important town of Umbria in central Italy. Valentine ministered to persecuted Christians. Wow, this is a mighty man of God. So if you're thinking the guy is a flake, think again. Mighty man of God, he's ministering to persecuted Christians. Listen to this. While under house arrest of Judge Asterius, Valentinus was discussing his faith and the validity of Jesus, and this judge put him to the test. And so he says, okay, let's prove if your God is actually real. Let's prove that this is more than rhetoric. And so he brought his adopted blind daughter to Valentinus to prove if God is real. And he said to him, if God is real, I will follow this God. But if he's not, then you're just a bunch of nonsense. You said really nothing to change anything. According to history, Valentinus began to pray to the Lord. He laid his hands on her eyes and the child's vision was restored. Come on. St. Valentine immediately humbled. The judge asked Valentinus, what should I do? And Valentinus immediately said, you must fast and pray for three days and then you will be water baptized. And he said, you must destroy every idol in your home. And that's exactly what the judge did. The idols were destroyed. He fasted and prayed. And he, along with 47 others in his household, were baptized that day. And guess what? But because of the fasting and the prayer, God so moved in the judge's heart that he freed all the Christian inmates that were under his authority. Come on, you can give a hand to the Lord for that. Isn't history great? St. Valentine. The story goes on to say later he was arrested again for continuing to evangelize and was sent to the prefect of Rome to the emperor himself, Emperor Claudius Gothicus, Claudius II. Well, Claudius took a liking to Valentinus and everything was fine until Valentinus pushed the point saying, you need to receive Jesus into your heart. And that was the end. And so this time Claudius says, you should not have done that. And now he says, you're going to die. Either renounce your faith or you're going to die a horrible death. And according to history, Valentinus, of course, said, absolutely no, he is, Jesus is alive. And so what happened was he was beaten to death with clubs and then beheaded. So if you're thinking Valentine was a wimp, think again. So I'm proud to say, welcome to Valentine's Day Love City Church, as we honor great men of God, great men of God. And just like the story of Valentinus, godly love is often misunderstood. 
We like to think we know what love is. In fact, there's a song that goes out, and I've entitled the message this one. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. How many people were alive when that song was? Uh, thank you. Thank you for about half the church. The others are sort of like, if I put my hand up, everyone knows I'm old, so I'm going to put my hand down. About half the church, if you're wondering on live stream, about half the church, raise their hands. We do. We want to know what love is. And we struggle to express love. We, ex- we struggle to receive love because we don't even know how to explain what love is. If you turn to the person next to you, put them on the spot, what is love? You're going to get all kinds of answers. You're going to get answers like, what makes me feel like butterflies? Butterflies, all the young love, you know. Um, for love, for those of you who have been married long enough, you realize love is a bit more than that. The butterflies might have long since gone. Right now, husband should be whispering, I still love you, and I still feel the butterflies every time you walk in the room. Okay, go ahead and do that. Just whisper in her ear, sweet nothings. Go ahead. Husbands, just whisper in your wives. Some of them, <laughs> some of them are like, are you going to do that one? She's going to hold me to this one. We struggle to know what love is. What is love? According to the Bible and the New Testament written in Greek, there were four ways that they had to write what love is. The four different Greek words to express it, but all we had it translated to was the word love. It tells you not much at all. So it's so easy to misunderstand love. Valentinus loved people, loved people, and was not wanting anyone to misunderstand Hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the detriment of his own life. You see, love will take risks. Love will sacrifice. Love will cross distances and go to extremes in order to restore relationship. I remember once a preacher that we had coming regularly visiting our church, Shane Willard. You might know him. And at a breakout session, we used to have multiple services in my previous church. And in between the sessions, he was telling me he had just been to Israel and that a guide had been showing him around. And they were talking about a particular point. And Shane uh, said, oh, yeah, it's about this, 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 this. And he says, I never knew that I had offended this man. Not until the end of the trip and somehow the, the, issue, the, we, the story was raised and Shane had discovered the truth. And he says, why didn't you say something? And the man responded out of love. He says, for the sake of peace, I will be wrong. How many of you in your relationships, children to parents, parents to children, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, are willing to say this? For the sake of peace, I'm willing to be wrong. We're so engrossed with our own lives, and we think we are so important that it's very difficult to allow room for anybody else to be able to say, I love you so much that I am willing to be wrong because, you see, love will take risks. Love requires sacrifice. Love will cross distances and go to extremes in order to restore relationships. The Bible says, John 3.16, if you're taking my foundations class, write that down. I want you to memorize it before class next week, this week coming on Wednesday. John 3.16, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son because love requires sacrifice. And Valentine understood this and was willing to lose everything in order to gain one person to Christ. Here's the other thing you didn't know about him. He was a nobleman. He came from a wealthy family. But he would look for anyone in order to gain one person to Christ. Such was his love for the family. And I wonder this morning, how many of us truly love the person sitting next to us that we're not married to or isn't a family member? Do you love the people in this church? Or are you so easily offended? The Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins. And yet we're so easily offended because we're so clouded with self. We only think of ourselves. And there's no room for that if you desire to love people. God commands us to love him, love God, and love others as yourself. But if all you do is love yourself, there's no room for anybody else. Today, as the world observes Valentine's Day, I'm reminded of an incredible love story in the Bible which expresses these very traits. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to the book of Hosea, and we're going to read chapter 1. Hosea, we're going to be reading from chapter 1 and verse 2. Go ahead and turn to that. Look on your smart devices. It is an incredible love story. It's just hidden there waiting for us to uncover the story. For those of you that are struggling in your relationships, you're struggling in your marriages, you're trying to make it work, you keep falling into arguments, you are, you know, and the words that come out, the language that flies to your beloved, the one that you would have stood at the altar with, professing your love and making covenant before God, and yet these obscenities are coming out of your mouth, these profanities, you'll even message that so it's captured for all time. There's a string of messages going through. It's not love. Listen to how extreme this guy's love was in Hosea chapter 1, reading from verse 2. Follow with me in your Bibles. The Bible says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So, Hosea married Gomer, or Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, Name the child Jezreel. I looked that up. It means God will sow. Remember the, the, the idea in the Bible always talks about what you sow, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow, but you got to sow first. Name the child Jezreel, God will sow. For I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact... I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. So Israel had been sinning against God. They had been worshiping other idols when God had made this covenant with them. Their ancestors had made this covenant with God. We will worship you and you alone. And in this covenant of marriage that he had with his people, it says this, that if you will obey the Lord fully, 
that his blessing would come upon them in every area of their life. It goes on to say that the women will never miscarry. They will never be infertile. Even your animals will never be infertile. They will never miscarry. They will continue to multiply, multiply, multiply. Your finances will multiply. Your home, your children, everything you own will multiply. That was a blessing of God that he made in this covenant relationship. But they failed him. They began dabbling with other idols in that area. They're thinking, well, if God can bless us, maybe if I worship another God, they t- you know, this God will also bless me, it will bless my cattle, will bless the things that I'm growing in the fields. And they began to adulterate themselves with other idols. And so God was bringing this punishment. Go to verse 6. Soon Gomer became pregnant again. And gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo Ruhama, which means no mercy in the strong concordance, and also not loved. No mercy, no love. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. Some of you have been keeping God on a string thinking that you can live your life the way you want to and you refuse to follow him and by not following him, you're following yourself or you're following other idols. And the Bible's telling us God doesn't tolerate these things because he loves you so much, he will do anything to win your love. The Bible says, I am a jealous God. That's how God describes himself, jealous. It's one thing if he was apathetic about you if he didn't care about you. Some of you treat him that way. In fact, the way you view him is a God who doesn't really care. That does not describe our God. The Bible says he loves you, for God so loved the world. But we don't so love God. We love him with conditions. We love him as much as we love other things. And God's saying, no, I am a jealous God. Keep reading. Go to verse 10. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore. Too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. That, was, that prophecy has come to pass. In that day, most, uh, if you notice it, depending on the version, your, some of your Bibles will have chapter 2, verse 1 as part of this. It actually continues. In that day, you will call your brothers Ami, my people, and you will call your sisters Ruhama, which means to love deeply, to show mercy, the ones I love. Let me tell you a bit about Hosea so you understand who he is. Hosea was a prophet. He was the first of the minor prophets of Israel to the kingdom of Israel. And he was active from 750 to 722 B.C. His job, he called on Israel to repent of its sins of apostasy. Apostasy is when you begin warping the teachings of God. Apostasy is when you begin walking away from God. And he's warning them of the judgment to come because God is a jealous God. And his writings form the first of these Old Testament books of the minor prophets. Hosea, the son of Beeri, apparently also, we talked about Valentinus, belonged to the upper classes. A man who was highly cultured. That's what the commentaries say about him. 
God said to this righteous man, I, I find this very difficult to uh, accept. You've got to understand, a highly cultured man, the Bible talks about a rich, young ruler, a synagogue ruler. So the rich ones were picked off and tapped on the shoulder because they were responsible with money. They understood responsibility so they could lead a church. So this man had some mantle of weight upon his life. And God is tapping this guy who's kept himself pure his whole life. He is a virgin himself. He's never been married. And so God is saying to him, listen to this, verse 2, go and marry a prostitute. Have you ever experienced the word of God that is difficult to follow? If you have been reading the Bible at any point in time in your life, the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you and you would be nodding your head with me and said, I'll preach it, Pastor. Preach. You're all too quiet this morning. Have you ever experienced a word of God that was difficult to follow? Make some noise. I want to hear you. Can you imagine what was happening to this guy? He would have had dreams. He's thinking about, man, God, 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 God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's been praying. He's been fasting and praying. Oh, God, you are a good and mighty God. And I pray that you give me a beautiful babe, oh, God. I'm praying, Lord God, she is knocked out gorgeous in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You're all very quiet right now. You should be clapping along with this one. You've had this prayer before. Before you married your lady, some of you are still single. Oh, preach it, pastor. Oh, God. Yes, she would be fine. Just fine. And heads will turn and they'll say, is that your woman? And you say, yes, it is by facts. It is my woman. Thank you for asking. And so he's praying to the Lord and asking, Lord, who is it? Is that that fine cheeky babe over there? She's all right. She's all right. Oh, oh, look at that one. She is fine. She's fine. And God says, no, no, no. It's the one over there in the corner. He goes, yes, Lord. What? What? This is woman on the side, lipstick going on the... He said, no, 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 Lord, Lord. Oh, that's the devil speaking. God, I'm asking that you show me who is the woman I am to marry. And he's looking around, is it that one? Is it loud? Lord, I'll even settle for her. <laughs> and God's saying, turn around and look at that woman. Hey, baby, I'm looking at you. I give you good time tonight. <laughs> You're all very quiet right now. Some of you are acting, I'm so righteous. I'm a Christian. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Go and marry the prostitute. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> what was he feeling when God told him that? Disgust. God, she is cheap. She's compromised by many men. And she's probably attracted to many of them. I, I mean, I can't even compare them. Look at me. Look at me. I'm holy. I'm righteous. Maybe, maybe experience shock. This can't be real. This can't be real. Guilt. Did I do something to displease you, oh God? Father, I repent in the name of Jesus. Go and marry the prostitute. Oh no, I really repent, God. Maybe he was feeling disappointment. I think he was feeling a massive degree of disappointment. That his dreams of marrying a virgin like him, clean, wholesome, upright, a wife of virtue, 
to bring about the perfect nuclear family was now dashed with a single word from the Lord, go and marry a prostitute. Hosea experienced a heartache of marrying someone so dysfunctional who had no idea of what right and wrong is, no no intention of being faithful because she is, not, I mean, she's good at sleeping around. Right? She's paid for this, you know, but to go to one guy, and even if she didn't know anything between right and wrong, she didn't care. They would never see eye to eye. They would never share the ministry burden together. She would not be leading worship in the front. She would not be playing the organ. She would not be sharing as an MC. She would not be looking after kids' church. She would not be looking after the decor and buying the presents we forgot to buy our spouses for Valentine's Day. Gomer was impure, dirty, Filthy by any standard and could not understand the world he came from where purity was absolutely necessary, that God demands purity. That's not her world. Self-control is foreign to someone like Gomer who gave into every lust of her eyes. She treasured the gift from her lovers. She was the envy of many men. And to marry one She's appreciated by many, but to one, could he satisfy her? See, we don't talk about this stuff when we read it, because it's, it's church. We, we try and just flip it through, but wow, God used it. God worked through. No, no, just don't cut to the end of the story. Look at the story right now. Their relationship is doomed to fail before it even began. You don't have to be genius. You don't have to be a prophet to know these things. There would definitely be trust broken in this relationship. In fact, it goes on to say, after he says, go marry the prostitute, God says, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. God is telling him, yeah, some of your kids won't even come from your loins. Your seed is going to come from other men because she's going to prostitute herself again and again and again. Have a look at the names of the children in case you, you doubt that. The first one, I think it could be his child because God says, name the child Jezreel. God will sow. There's something about that. God will even attach his name to this child. So there must be something there about this child. But look at the next one in verse 6. She became pregnant again, gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said, name her Lo-Ruhamah. The word Lo means no in Hebrew. Lo Ruhamah, no mercy, no love. In other words, there's a definite question whether that's his child. Probably not. Probably not, because there'll be no love here. It's not my kid. But look up on the next one. It doesn't get any better. Verse 8, Gomer weaned Lo Ruhamah. She became pregnant again and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo Ami. No people. No my people. <laughs> In other words, Hey, Hosea, just so you know, that is definitely not your kid, in case you can figure it out. By the name alone, I'm letting you know, not your kid. <laughs> one was questionable, one was not loved, the other definitely not his. Gomer just couldn't help herself. 
she was driven by pleasures of the flesh. She needed to be wanted again. She needed to be desired. She needed to feel special. She needed to retrace her past. She wanted to live her past again, the experiences she had. You you see, the thing is about life, you don't remember the bad things, but you tend to remember the good things. That's why you say, I remember the good old days. They weren't that good. You had the same problems you have today. They were just different in the past. But all you remember, I remember the good old days. When your parents say that, all the kids are just smirking. Like, (laughs) preach it, pastor. I remember the good old days. They weren't that good, dad. You can tell them. Pastor said that. And so she lingered a little longer at the village well. They didn't have taps and they had to collect water. She just lingered a little bit longer just to check out the talent to see what she's missing. Today's length vernacular, she went to the gym because she says, do you think I'm looking a little bit heavy here, my backside? Do you think I should do something about it? Honey, I'll just, I'll just go to the gym. I'll just work out. Before and after shot. Now she's working out. And the trainer, she, he fine. That trainer's fine. Hi, honey. Are you coming here to help me to work out? You know, she's just shaking a booty. And then the conversations just lasted a little bit longer. The flirting continued a little bit more. And then his, their hands, fingers accidentally touched, lingered, stayed a little bit longer. And then he, he, he gives her that look. You, you know that look, boys. And she's like, <laughs> And they said, why don't we go have a coffee? And it began with a coffee. And then another meeting. Another tryst. And then things declined. Because a heart went there. It's no longer for Hosea. It's now being messed with another guy. But see, that wasn't enough for Gomer. There was another guy yet again. She goes, well, if it's this good with what guy? (laughs) Just, just do it all over again. So she finds another person. And before long, the Bible tells us she's back in her old lifestyle again. The Bible describes the people of Israel this way later on. He says that you used to charge for your services, and yet you have no shame. You won't even charge anymore. And your suitors, they're not even giving you presents anymore. And you gladly give in to them. You give yourself to them. And before long, she has gone into such a state of decline that she ends up back into sex slavery, back in the sex slave trade. But what we're missing in the story is the understanding that that prostitute is you. That prostitute is me. We are the ones who are unfaithful. Before you became offended, before you become offended with me, and think that you're holy. Remember, your last sin probably happened this morning after you woke up, or yesterday, or the day before. We are people who are continually sinning against the living God. 
and he's desiring us. He's saying, I'm a jealous God. I love you. I died for you. I want you to come home. I want you to come back. And just before you think, no, no, I haven't sinned, I'm pretty sure the Bible says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, the Bible says if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. We are so unaware of our idolatrous nature that God has to spell it out. 2 Timothy, just write this down, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5 says this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. But mark this, God says, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. If you're wondering what we love, this is it. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. All the parents are looking at the kids, kids are like looking straight ahead at me. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Oh, pastor, I couldn't help myself, you know, just, you know, I just had one and then all of a sudden it became 500. Brutal. Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. God has to spell it out for us. Look at that amount of times you use the word love. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, without love, lovers of of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You see, it's not enough to love God and to love other things. You have to love God completely and totally so that there is no comparison at all. I want to share, I'm I'm saying something, I'm preaching to you, but I'm sharing this with you, that if there is any other love, and that includes family, that takes you away from his presence, that takes you away from spending time with him, You have become idolatrous. That's the definition in the Bible. But I love my wife, Pastor. You know, we had to do this. Oh, I love my, I love my family came to visit me today. I couldn't come to church today because I love my family, Pastor. You know, the Bible says we should love others. I'm trying to love, I hear you, but you had other hours of the day. You had the weekend, you had the afternoon. You could have brought them to church and told them, I love this God so much. I want to introduce him to you. Come with me. I want to take you to lunch. No, this happens time and time again. No I'm not judging anybody. Let there be no condemnation, but let the Word of God sit in your heart. Because we think to ourselves that if as long as you love God and love other things, you love God. What I'm trying to tell you is what God is talking about is idolatrous, like an adulterer, is when you're spreading yourself, loving God, loving this, loving that, loving that. God's saying, He must be the absolute and total desire of your life. I want to tell you that if the story ended here, we would have no hope. No hope of being ever restored to God. No hope of ever finding our way back to Him. But here's the good news. The Bible reveals the character and the nature of God. I was sharing with a couple people recently. In fact, it was last week. We were talking about this whole thing of worship. You see, I one thing good about having to play the guitar now, I've got to go back on the team until the Lord appoints another guitarist, is that I get to see 
the state of where the church is. I know when people are, uh, love God, they can't help themselves. Their eyes are closed. Their arms are raised. They might sing like a, <laughs> you know, a, a chicken with a, you know, anyway, whatever, a, a, a wolf, you know, in the middle of the night, ah! you know who they are. It doesn't matter. I can see they love God. They don't care about the song that was chosen. They don't care if the note was missed. In fact, there could be no music and they'll still be lost. Still be lost in their room, in their car, just lost in worshiping the Lord. Oh, watch the road, watch the road. Lost. I'm praying I have to set my cruise control on because I start getting excited. Oh, God, you're next to me. I'm doing 130. No, no, I've never done that to the policeman watching. Just, Just... joking a little bit. I, I use cruise control. I said to them last week, how can you love someone that you don't know? That's the problem. I had the same problem. I saw people worshiping when I was growing up through, through church. Remember, my dad was a pastor. People expected a lot more of me, but I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just going to raise my hand until I get what's going on, you know, because dad's going to be giving me the eye. You know, but otherwise, I'm just like this. I remember going to a church on the north side. We would do that. I'd put my hands in my pocket until the Lord convicted me one day. He says, Paul, take your hands out of your stinking pockets and raise them in my presence. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, Lord. If you love me, raise your hands. I put my hands up. And something broke off of me that I didn't know was there. This vice hold on my life shattered, chains shattered in that moment when I did that. I've never looked back from that day, and I got lost in the worship, lost in the presence of God. I could see him seated on that temple. I could feel his love for me as my hands are raised. I still feel that to this day, but I'm doing it on guitar. If I'm not playing, worship leaders always looking at me, Pastor Paul, because I'm singing as loud as I can. I just love, love, love him. John 3.16 tells us what he's like. I quoted it at the beginning of the message. For God so loved the world. I like how Judas Smith preaches it as a pastor in the States. He goes, for God so loved the world. It's not just for God loved the world. It, they had to add the word in there because it didn't, just to say for God loved the world was insufficient to express what was actually happening in God's heart. For God so loved you, loved them, loved the world that he would sacrifice anything for you. But did you see that? For God so loved Christians? doesn't say that. For God so loved the people who only honor and obey God. No. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. The people who don't know him yet. The people who have sinned greatly against God. The people who have failed him and once followed him. And over and over they're stuck in their sin cycle. And God says, I so love you, I would send my son. If I had to do it again, I'd do it over and over and over again. 
And there is a foreshadowing of John chapter 3, verse 16, right here in the passage we read in verse 10. He begins to prophesy before the story has unfolded, telling you what's going to happen. Look at what he says. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. God has just told them, I'm going to put you into slavery. I'm going to sell you out. The enemies of Israel are going to take you, and all of you are going to desert the nation. You're going to leave the land I promised you. You've lost it because of your sin. But he's prophesying to them even before he, fin- before he finishes the rest of the story. But I'm, the time is going to come. In the future, he's saying, you're going to increase. You're going to multiply in the place of tribulation, in the place of hardship where I've had to punish you. The punishment was good for you because you're going to grow. The punishment was good for you because you're going to increase. That hardship you're going through is for your good. It's going to do you so good, you'll barely recognize yourself. And he says, and at that place where they were told, you are not my people, lo ami. He says, you are going to be called ami. He says, for those of you who are called Lo-Rohama, he says, you're going to be called Ruhama. Love deeply. Love mercy. The ones I love. He loved you just as you are in your sin. And he continues to love you right now in your sins. The ones that you refuse to commit to him, he still loves you. In all your unfaithfulness, he still loves you. In all your good intentions, he still loves you. The love story of Hosea and Gomer reaches a terrible point in their lives. As Gomer cheated on her husband so much that she fell back into the slave trade, but now she is so worthless. Those good looks that she had have disappeared. You cannot recognize the skin and bones that's standing there among all the other slaves in the slave market. Keep in mind, slaves generally tended to be naked as they're being sold at the slave markets. This naked woman, other people on there, just emaciated skin and bones, gaunt, looking ugly. Nobody would want her anymore. That's why she's at the market. The guy that owns her, her pimp, is trying to get rid of her, hoping to just, you know, just going to write off the debt. She's useless. I won't get any more money out of this one. And so the auctioneer begins. Who will give give one coin, one silver coin for this woman? One silver coin. Can I see one silver coin? Not a hand. Come on, you can do better than that. You know that a slave is worth 30 silver coins. Get me started. Someone get me started. No hands. Going once. Going twice. And in the back, a hand's raised. I'll take her for 15. You'd give 15 coins. Does anyone else want 15 coins? Going once, going twice, sold for 15 coins, half the price of an actual slave. She is no longer desirable. No one wants her. But God had spoken to Hosea. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, God says, Go show your love to your wife again. 
Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute. You must not be intimate with any other man, and I will live with you. But God, she's rejected me. She has hurt me with a hurt that I can't even express. She dumped me, and she dumped our children. They're not even my children. i got to raise them. And you want me to go after her? You want me to not just find her and buy her. You want me to engage my heart again? Don't you know the hurt that I've been feeling over this woman? I humbled myself. My parents, they were so dishonored by this. They turned their backs on me. My friends wouldn't look at me again. And my, my, my title as prophet, who would listen to a prophet who marries a prostitute, who leaves him and his, and his bastard children to go for other men? And God says, not only are you to buy her back, I want you to love her. Love her. Go show your love again. Us men, we are, find it difficult to express love. We do. Love that isn't involved in, in the, the act of marriage. I'm talking about the other stuff. You know, the, the cleaning of the dishes. The picking up and the dropping off of the children. I'll tell you, that's my love language and my wife. The things that we neglect and you wonder why she's nagging you. You wonder why she's upset. You can't even understand the language of your wife anymore. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, can I invite you to stand to your feet and I'll get Katie to come up. Romans 5, 8 says, but God, demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't wait until you were holy. Christ didn't wait till you stopped sinning. Christ didn't wait till you made him your all in all. He died for you just as you are. This morning, I want to invite you to bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. For those of you that are listening to the live stream broadcast, I'm speaking to you as well. This might be the first time that you've understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there is a God who loves you so passionately, he is described as a jealous God. In fact, the ministry that we have as Christians is a ministry of reconciliation that means to bring to reconcile someone, to bring them back to their original state of relationship, of love. That's our job. That's my job right now, to reintroduce you to his love. And this morning as I look around this auditorium, perhaps this is your first time you've actually understood who Jesus is and what God is all about, it's his love. His love. 
and for others yet again. You've made a decision for Jesus before. You have. You meant it. But today, the cares of this world, the worries of life, have robbed your affection off of God. And if you were to stand before him this morning, before that throne room, with all these witnesses that have been watching your life to this point in time, and, and you're asked that question, why should I let you in? You can't lie. In fact, right now, God sees your heart. You can't lie to him. You can lie to me, but you can't lie to him. You know who you are. You are distant from God. And this morning, the Lord is calling you back. I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to him fresh and new. With every eye closed and every head bowed, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hands just where you're standing right now. Just hold it up for a second, long enough for me to acknowledge it, and then you can put it down. I won't embarrass you. But the Lord is calling you, and now is the time to make your life right with the Lord. On the count of three, I want to invite you to raise your hands. Three, two, one, go. I'm looking around this auditorium right now. I see those hands. God bless you. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Is there anybody else you're saying, yes, I'm coming back to him. Yes, I want his love again. Yes, I need you. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. Just three more seconds. Don't miss out on this moment. This is the time to raise your hand. Three, two, and one. God bless you. I see that hand in the front. I want to lead you in a prayer. i got to say, I'm so proud of you that you would respond to the message that the Lord is speaking to you today. It's not about me. It's about you and him being restored. Your heart is being restored today. And I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. If you can follow me, and I'll quickly pray for you. And those that are watching on live stream, I want you as well to repeat this prayer with us. So I'm going to get the whole church. Let's say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I can't hear you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And I'm sorry that I could not live up to your standards. You call that sin. But you left heaven to die on the cross for my sins. So I'm taking advantage of that now. Jesus, forgive me and wash away my sins. I offer you my life. Please give me your spirit and fill me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give a big hand to those that responded this morning. Well done. We're so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.